The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other as well. And from the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold even your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But rather, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Stop judging, and you will not be judged. Stop condemning, and you will not be condemned. Forgive. And you will be forgiven. Give, and gifts will be given to you. A good measure, packed together, shaken down, and overflowing, will be poured into your lap. For the measure which you measure will in turn be measured out to you. The Gospel of the Lord. You may remember the person of Pope Pius VII. He was the Pope during most of the reign of Napoleon. Napoleon was angry with him because he wouldn't stop trading with the British. So he invaded the Papal States and took the Pope prisoner and sent him to northern Italy, where the Pope excommunicated him. Napoleon then took him and sent him to Paris. 
When Napoleon was defeated in Russia, he released him. And when Napoleon was exiled to St. Helena for the rest of his life, where he died, the Pope sent a priest, a Monsignor Rangali, I believe, to tend to his spiritual needs. And it's said that Napoleon came back to the church before he died. That's forgiveness. That's loving your enemies. Most of us know about St. Miguel Pro, the Jesuit priest in Mexico, during the 20s, during the time when the church was being persecuted. He was sentenced to be shot, and he said to his executioners, I forgive you. Please kneel down so that I can bless you. To a man, they knelt down. He, they then, he blessed them. They then stood up and shot him. During the Spanish Civil War, the communists killed hundreds of priests. In fact, one bishop was actually crucified on the front door of his cathedral. But one of those priests... said to his executioners, I forgive you. Untie me so that I can bless you. So they untied him and cut off his hands and then said to him, Now bless us if you can. He raised both stumps of his arms that were dripping with blood and bless them. That, too, is forgiveness. That's loving your enemies. Most of us aren't called upon to forgive in that way and to love in so dramatic a way. But we are all called upon to do what they did, each in our own world and in our own time. Our Lord, of course, speaks of that in today's Gospel. He speaks about that unique kind of love, the love for enemies. Not because they deserve it, but because we must do it. Because God does. He's also speaking to people who are an occupied nation and who can be coerced into doing whatever that nation wants them to do. If the Romans strike you on one cheek, offer the other as well. Remember, strike in the cheek is an insult. Our Lord is not telling us that we can't defend the innocent, including ourselves, if we have to. If they want your cloak, which the Romans could do, do not withhold your tunic. Show them a love that they don't understand. If they force you for one mile, go an extra mile. Show them a love for them that no one else has shown them. And he goes on then to speak of the type of love that we are to have. He is not suggesting to us that there is no such thing as justice. There is. And justice must be a concern of ours, too, and a concern of the state. But we always have to think beyond that. We have to think beyond to what forgiveness and mercy demands. He speaks then even further, of judgment. 
he says, stop judging. What does he mean? Our Lord is not suggesting to us that we don't have to distinguish between what is true and false, good and evil. When there is evil, we have to point it out. He's warning us against rash judgment. Judgment without cause, without evidence, and particularly judgment when we ourselves are guilty of something greater. We might say to someone, you ought not to be living that way. I'm sure some of you parents have said that to children. I have said it often. They want to say to me, you're judging me. No, I'm not. It's not my judgment. It's God's. I'm simply telling you. I'm informing you of someone else's judgment, and the judgment is not mine. It's God. Also, it might be the reason of the natural law which should cause you to think that. So we have to do that out of love. If we don't, we're betraying the people we say we love. To ignore evil when we see it and when we know we can do something about it is to betray the person we are supposed to love. So very often people will use that excuse. I I don't want to hurt my friend or my child or whoever it might be. We don't want to betray them either. We want, with all kindness, to let them know that something is wrong. Look at David, for instance. David could have killed Saul, who wanted to kill him. With one thrust of the spear, he could have driven it into the ground. He didn't do it, though. He showed him mercy. David, however, was both an adulterer and a murderer. He had a lot on his conscience, too. And we have to look at ourselves before we can deal with anybody else. But, and so we must when we consider judgment. You know, I remember that in the 19th century, there was a young Englishman who was thrown from his horse and killed. His father was distraught. And a friend of his sent him a letter in which there was just one verse in it. Because this gospel is telling us, by the way, the one thing we can never judge or condemn is someone's soul after they've died. That's one thing we cannot do, because we don't know that. Only God knows that. But it's friend sent him a note saying, between the saddle and the ground was mercy sought and mercy found. The mercy of God is always available to us, even to the worst of sinners. A woman once came to St. John Vianney, the curie of ours, and said, my husband is a terrible man. Uh, He hasn't been to Mass or confession in years. He's unfaithful, brutal, and cruel. And he's just fallen off a bridge and drowned in the river. Two deaths at once, one physical and one spiritual. And the curie of ours looked at her and said, there's a short distance between that bridge and and the river. That short distance forbids you from making that judgment. So we have to deal with ourselves then, don't we? We begin with our own personal conversion. Then we can help others with theirs, too. People will respond to someone who is holy. They won't to someone who is questionable. They may even respond to someone who is good, but not holy. But they will not respond to someone whom they know to be grave sinners themselves. Remember that prayer of St. Anselm. St. Anselm was one of the great bishops of the of England, Archbishop of Canterbury, great theologian and philosopher. And remember what he said. Oh, by the way, of course, our Lord gives us the example of 
forgiveness, and love of enemies. That's what the cross is. And of course, in order to make it possible for us to do the same, he gives us the Eucharist because it's only there that we actually find forgiveness and love personified and therefore can become the same ourselves. I would go so far as to say that people who do not know the Eucharist will never be able to completely forgive. It may sound like a bit much to say, but until we have that capacity, we, can't, we won't go the extra mile. In any event, what St. Anselm said was, as you may remember it, I am frightened of living, Lord. He knew himself. Here was a man who, who, who had to deal with people all the time and had to correct people all the time. But he said, I am frightened of living, Lord. My whole life seems sinful and sterile. Any fruits I bear are either false or rotten. Nothing I do seems pleasing to you. I'm a barren tree that deserves to be chopped down, cut up, and burnt. I bear only the sharp and bitter thorns of sin. If only those thorns could prick me into repentance. Inside me, my conscience burns. I dare not show myself. I have nowhere to hide. What will happen to me? Who will protect me from your wrath? Where can I find safety? Lord, you are my judge in whose hands I tremble, yet you are also the one who can save me. Though I flee you, I flee towards you. Jesus, Jesus, deal with me according to your love. Jesus, Jesus, forget the sin by which I have provoked you and see only the misery which invokes you. St. Anselm can say that, so can we. And then, and only then, can we convert the world. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, that she will always be a sign of God's mercy and forgiveness, especially the Church suffering, we pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, that they will accept the call to mercy and forgiveness, the call to repentance and conversion, we pray to the Lord. Lord For all those who are sick and suffering and dying, that they may know that they are signs of God's love in our world and that they are experiencing his love in the midst of their suffering. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have rejected God's forgiveness, we pray to the Lord. For an end to abortion and euthanasia in all of its forms, we pray to the Lord. Lord For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will bring God's mercy and forgiveness to our world, for a greater reverence for the witness of mercy and forgiveness in marriage and a single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that having received God's love and mercy themselves, they may then be visible signs of it, we pray to the Lord. Lord for all those who were confirmed on Thursday that they will continue to grow in the grace of the Holy Spirit all of their lives, we pray to the Lord. Lord for all those working on our construction, they will remain safe. We pray to the Lord. Lord for the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, 
Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for harmony between between races and the healing of all racial discord, especially in our own country and city, we pray to the Lord. For Father Alapati's mother, who is being buried today, we pray to the Lord. And finally, for all of us, that our lives will reflect the forgiveness that we have received and the forgiveness that we are willing to give. We pray to the Lord. Lord, We now join our prayers to those of the refuge of sinners as we sing. Mm -hmm. 